G'day everyone, this is Tractor and welcome to the Joel Ball and Milsim podcast. For the first time ever, live at 1.5 metres apart, we're doing a four-way interview. I've got everyone in the room blushing and laughing because I said four-way because we've been talking about this before we got into the room. So there's a little bit of whimpering that's actually giggling. It's not whimpering, so don't stress out too much. So today at my right, we have Isla. Hello, Isla. Hi, Tractor. So Isla plays here at the field and she went to EP 1.5 and that was your introduction to Milsim full stop, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And um, so what was it about EP 1.5 that made you go, I want to do more of this? Oh, it must have been all the sweaty men sitting around, sitting around and swearing all the time that really yep. attracted me in. Yeah. It really makes the girls want to oh, yeah. play and join in when all that mm. testosterone and Oh, yeah, crap. it was really going. It was great. Yeah, cool. And we've got Emmy over here who doesn't really want to talk, but she was at EP1 and at 1.5. So why did you go to 1? Like, we haven't had a Milsim in Australia before, so what was it about EP1 that made you want to uh, join in? Camping in Joe Walk, what could be better? <laughs> mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, next to Emmy, we've got Matt, and Matt's a bit of an old, old school guy. So Matt comes from the world of com sims. So before we had Joe Ball, we're into the laser scene, and in the laser scene, you did your own mill sim stuff, and that's all what com sims was about. So um, tell me how you got into com sims, what com sims is, all that background stuff, so we can get on with that. Um, Combat Sims was formed around a three-day three day laser skirmish event called Laser Storm, uh, which was originally set up by LCT and a few other operators back in 2004. It was formed on the basis of some ex-military guys wanting to run a mill skills competition um, over three days. Um, from memory, it was a bit of a disaster from the first one. I wasn't a, a part of it. It, it <laughs> Sounds like EV1. <laughs> <laughs> uh, full of rain, full of wet. I'm pretty sure every car was bogged. Actually, very many comparisons to EV1. Um, Ronan um, continued on with that in 2006 with a, with a crew, and I joined in in about 2007. Uh, it was my first uh, mill skills experience. That was as a player or uh, as, as an organiser? Yep. As a player. Um, that was done at Mango Hill, uh, and in 2008 I ran the outfit for uh, one of the teams with we have a whole heap of history, but probably irrelevant, um, and they sort of went up to about 90-odd players at that stage. Yep. So in real terms, a lot of people think that Milsim is a brand new concept in Australia because we never had Airsoft. Uh, well, we did before 96, but that was terrible Airsoft. Um, but the idea that Milsim is something new and we've only just sort of begun that um, isn't correct, is it? I would, I believe that the laser skirmish scene set the tone back in 2007, 2008, um, which I guess formed the basis of what the CSSO and what we're doing with Eastern Predator now. Yeah. And, and for those of you that have been around the block and read the CSSOs, you'll notice that that's the ComSim standing orders. It, it's not Milsim East, it's not Tidy, it's not 
any of the stuff that I've created. This is all stuff that you guys created years ago and we've just tweaked it a little bit for the gel um, tools that we have now. Absolutely. I think the platform is irrelevant. I think it's all about the, the skills and the camaraderie um, and bringing that to the fore uh, in a safe and healthy outlet. <laughs> Obviously, uh, with COVID, EP2, as we had a planned it, it, it's a dead duck in the water. Unfortunately, um, at the moment. Like, I'd like to say that it's it's a plane that's circling in the airport just waiting for the chance to land. It's not virgin. Uh, <laughs> it's not virgin, <laughs> no, no. And I'm not going to go there because we like kids listen Although to this. Although we will take a bailout if anyone's offering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're looking for sponsors from the government, yeah. Um, no, so... So I guess the major question at the moment is, is EP2 still likely? Oh, I think it's uh, 110% still likely, yeah. Um, the, obviously, we're going to miss the window of the best weather um, in terms of putting on plate carriers and packs and marching oh, around the scrub. And, the anyway. Look, I know we say embrace the suck, but I don't want to be out there in 40-degree days melting people into the ground. Like 1.5? Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, I gave everyone a zoopadoopa. Come on. Valid. Yeah, it's true. Where's mine? I don't know. You must have left it there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, look, we are still planning to run an EP2, but just like every other gel ball facility or field or sporting, group. sporting group, we're all waiting for that time where we can get 40 or 50 people in the same spot. Um, the thing that always sort of grates on my mind, and I've brought this up in many podcasts before, is is people preparing for uh, EP2, and we had a plan for that. Um, do you want to talk about that briefly, Matt, what we were sort of going to do to lead people into the idea of...? So, originally we were looking at running some day games um, to introduce some of the concepts of EP2. Um, the concept of this was the foundation of the Razu and bringing that through from EP1 through to EP2 um, and allowing players and teams to earn those to then buy the benefits at the main event. For, for those that are listening for the first time, what's a Razu? So a Razu was a character, a currency that we created, um, a brass Razu. Um, and as an ongoing bit of humour between the command team, we took it to the next level and got minted thousands. Yeah, about 4,000 coins. Um, and one of my memories of EP1, and for anyone <laughs> on the command team that might remember this, uh, was whoever built, uh, manufactured and minted these coins decided it was a great idea to individually wrap Because they're obviously collector's items that you never want to take <laughs> out of the plastic bag. <laughs> Um, so I've got some good photos that I should probably share once again of us all sitting around the table in big groups individually unwrapping <laughs> two and a half or three thousand of these coins. I think I've actually got a video where I dumped another 500 coins onto a table where you thought you were nearly finished. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Jet was going to kill me that day. I think so. I, don't <laughs> I was worried about going to sleep that night because <laughs> someone's going to murder me. Um, so the concept was to then bring some skills, um, run some um, upskilling programs within the group um, to then maximise those to the main event. So what would we say, and girls feel free to chime in here, for those that haven't been to a Milsim before, why do they have to do this preparation that we keep talking about? What, why can't they just 
read the rules and rock up on that first day? What what stops that from giving them the best experience at a mill sim? I'll just probably like to add with EP1, I think with a lot of the teams that had watched a lot of the Milsim videos, saw what the airsoft crowd was about, went and bought a lot of gear. Um, there's a bit of a saying that we have all the gear and no idea. Um, I think there was a lot of people that were very shocked on walking a huge field uh, to get to this first staging point. Yeah. Um, I think the area for EP1 was, what, three or four Ks and... Yeah, it was six kilometres long by two wide. So, I mean, that's a huge field that you've sort of got to have a adequate fitness. And then you add, you know, 20 kilos worth of gear, 20, 25 kilos, food, um, your blaster, all your other toys that you want to take into the field. It's a lot of gear. Yeah. And, and like, I don't think... Like, we had the tier system, um, which we're not going to implement again because... And we'll we'll talk about that at some other stage. Feel free to send an email, tractor at milsimeast.com if you want to know more about this stuff or you've got anything else you want to ask. But the, the tier system showed us that the tier one guys had more of an idea what gear to carry and, and so on. The tier two guys had less of an idea and were very unprepared. And the tier three guys, um, we didn't prepare. Well, I feel like I didn't prepare them well enough for the experience. And I think I've seen some of the, I'll say the veteran teams like the Marauders, the Surd teams, um, some of those that have come out to Milsey East and all the other fields and done the hard yards and played together as a good outfit. Oh, look um, at Noble. Noble team, yep. yeah. Um, sort of had an idea of what they wanted to expect and I think they thrived in that environment. Hmm. Um, the Embrace the Suck really is in these events. You, you are there and there are times that you really don't like life, um, but you band together as a team. And I think at the end of it, though, you get a big sense of camaraderie within your team. You have a great experience. You have a bit of a laugh. Um, you know, you sit there and pick it at 2 o'clock in the morning and shoot at shadows. Yep. Um, and then you have a great laugh at the end. And I've walked away. I've done 10 of these events now. And, yeah, I've got fond memories of every single one. And a lot of them are my brothers now. I've, I view them very fondly outside. And, you know, you've got a really good team that you're just always a part of. Yep. Uh, and, like, for me, when I'm at a mill sim that I'm running, I certainly don't enjoy what I'm doing. But the memories that I have six months later when we're sitting down in a pub having a chicken palmy and talking about, remember that time when we did that thing and it was raining? And, and, and they're the things that you take... You don't take away that, oh, I killed that guy twice and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the things that were really hard to endure are the ones that you take away. I remember recovering a certain four-wheel drive from EP1. <laughs> <laughs> no one mentioned Cormac. <laughs> See, the girls can talk on the microphone. Bugger off, tractor. So, um, Isla. Yes? So, you didn't do EP1, but your partner did. So, yes. what did you... Like, when he got home... What, what I was threw him straight in the shower. Yeah, yeah, like he's a stinker. Yeah, he, yeah. he stank yeah. afterwards. I love you. Um, Not me, that's no, her him. partner, yeah. Which I don't understand. <laughs> and anyone that knows Thanks him. Thanks for announcing it to it, the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he loved it. I remember hearing about it for weeks and months afterwards. I even hear about it still now. And yeah. I went to 1.5, I didn't participate. I was more part of the admin team, helping in the kitchens and anything that you needed, obviously. Mm -hmm. But 
And you were the French lady. I was the screaming French lady. Hi, guys. Sorry I made your lives hell. Um, it was a special... It was really special, and I really enjoyed being part of the simulations at the end there because it was very different mm -hmm. and a bit confronting, I guess, because even though everything wasn't real, it really felt true. I was listening to um, one of my favourite podcast is a CGP Grey and I was listening to Cortex episode 100 and they're talking about virtual reality in the same way that you can do things and still get the same exhilaration, the same adrenaline and when you take that VR headset off you go, wow, that, oh, I didn't realise how much I was well, sweating. That's or, how I felt like yep. when all the boys were coming up in the cars and they were trying to take the car and I was told by you, make everyone's life a living hell without actually hurting Me? anyone. Say something like that? No, yeah, of course yeah. not. You're an angel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all the boys were coming forward with their guns up in a blockade and everything. It was really just so different. Like, And even though I knew everything was fake, I knew it, they just really got into that role and they were doing that. And I was trying to be an unrested citizen. Um, if we go back to your partner, I'm not going to drop his name here because <laughs> like everyone in the community loves him so much. But he's also done Milsim West. Were you together when he did that? Milsim West. Uh, Comsim? No, no, Milsim West when he went to the States. No, no, yeah. uh, that was when he was younger. Yeah. Um, and I found it really quite strange to myself when um, he said to me later on that he enjoyed EP1 more than he did Milsim West, which he did when he was younger, and that was full-on airsoft. I think that's more because everything that we have here at Wounded Heroes and a part of Milsim, Milsim team, it's more about family, and everyone here, we all know and love and respect each other, so yeah. we all want to be part of it and make it great. Whereas I think when he went to Milsim, no, Milsim West yep. in the States, he loved it and I still hear about it nowadays. It possibly wasn't the same experience because it wasn't there the camaraderie, wasn't the same camaraderie we have here. Yeah. Maybe people over there would feel that more closely if they've been to it constantly, see the same people, but we have that family here. We have mm. togetherness. Yeah, and, and between the teams, we, we have this really good, friendly banter on when we had Discord, we had it there, and when we had the forums, all the different teams egg each other on and have a bit of a crack at each other, but it's all in a friendly jest. But everyone's also really good about accepting new people as well. So I only came, like, I've been coming here for a long time now with he who shall not be named. <laughs> Yeah, but um, you just used to read books <laughs> on the veranda and well, exactly, like, do homework but and stuff. Even, even though I was doing that and I wasn't participating or anything like that, I remember the first time Martin, I was doing my, my studies while my laptop and he just looked at me and went, get into the office and go into the office. And he took me into the office and got me to plug my laptop in. Turn the aircon on. Turn the aircon on for me. A girl he'd never met before. And he's like, okay, here's the coffee, here's the Milo, this is the milk, make yourself this, you know, and just make sure that when you leave, you turn off the light. Yeah. Like, he's a bugger like that, isn't he? You'd, uh, you'd never have that experience anywhere yeah, Imagine else, going to a rugby trust. game and they said, oh, yeah, just jump in yeah, the office. Just there, <laughs> press whatever buttons you like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's interesting how um, different teams come together and form and stuff. So... Um, 
obviously the T word, the, the concept of training. And those that know me know I've been out of the army for 15 years, so everything I do isn't the most current, um, but I do try to do it. But I don't think that I should be the one mandating how you train, but you guys train, don't you? Yeah, so we, we actually come down every week on a Tuesday night after work. We all get into our gear and do laps around the field and then we actually do different situations. And, and you do drills and we do drills, different scenarios. Different scenarios. We've had a couple of people be test dummies for us and let us blast our way through them and yep. learn different call signs, um, we'll create our own call signs and yep. learn hand signals and everything. So that, that gives you more confidence on going to an EP as a team or? Well, definitely. I, I don't know if I'll be comfortable just yet going full immersive yet, yep. just because I do want to focus on fitness and all that. But I've noticed that every week, well, obviously with COVID, it's had to be suspended for a little yep. while. Yeah. Um, but before it did happen, my fitness levels were getting better. I was finding that it was easier to bound, run and bound. Yep. Down at Wounded Heroes, I was able to run the field a little bit more often than the time before, and it's definitely helped with confidence in that way. Mm -hmm. So I really can't wait for it to come back and I can have my family back. <laughs> yeah, so look, while I, leading up to EP1, um, Beard Force came and did training with us and, and they did every training session we ran, they came and they worked through and we had lots of ex-military guys, lots of comsim guys, um, but we never really got the uptake for people wanting to do that really basic training because they felt like they already had a skill level or they've been playing at X field or they've, they've come from X world or they're paintballers or whatever it is, they, they reckon that they can do everything they need to do. Um, why is it you guys don't come with that that idea in your head? Why do you? Um, I guess for me is I, whilst everyone's really supportive in this area and I've never had a single person give me trouble if I've not known anything and everyone's always been the first to come forward and be like, I want to help you if you need help. I want to know what I'm doing. Yep. I want to be able to stand up next to all the others and be able to track across and know what the person in front of me is trying to signal to me without using words. Yep. And I, I want to make it fun and proper. I want to immerse eventually fully. Yep. And I want to understand. So what do you reckon, Matt? I think you've got a slightly different idea on the, the community's view on training to me. What, where do you stand on this? I guess personally I've found that um, training to me is essential to get the most out of the event. Um, I think there are many different play styles out there and I don't think any of them are wrong. Um, but the, the mill sim that... Except meta. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the mill sim, uh, com sims that I like to run with Wounded Heroes and mill sim East and Operation Eastern Predator has a certain tone. It is the concept of running a game for six hours where you don't want to get shot, you don't want to get hit. You might fire maybe two or three shots in that duration. It's not everyone's game and I'm okay with that. Um, it does test your skills in a totally different manner for the job ball game. Yeah, I think back to one of the teams that we had at EP1, 
they certainly expected a very different thing. They came and they ended up like starting to shoot at them, their own team, just to to shoot each other because they were like, well, this is I came here to shoot people. I didn't come here for all this other stuff, and and that's fine if that's how you play. That's how you play. Good. If you want to play basketball, you play basketball. I'm, I'm not going to pick on you for that, but the expectation was quite different to the reality. Yeah, and I guess to me this upskilling training programs that we try to introduce is to set that tone, set that expectation. Uh, very simply, our killed in action rules, our wounded, how we want to interact with non-playing characters. Mm. Um, it's, it's unique in the game set that we play, in my opinion. Yeah, it was interesting for me when we did uh, EP 1.5, how people had that, uh, the armour rule, they treated that very differently to the way that we thought we got it across to people. And it, it sort of shocked me that people were like, oh no, the armour rule means this. Absolutely, and I guess one of the interpretations was that they could get hit twice before they had to take a hit. Um, yeah. and, and I'm like, I, what? I was absolutely <laughs> baffled by that. Um, and I'm pretty sure before step off from both teams, we went through these, because they did change slightly from one. Um, yep. And I do like to think we do consult with the community to try and make sure the rules are relevant and work with what we're playing with. Um, but yes, it is going to be live, and I think it's important that people play to the same rules. Um, and have fun doing so. So, we've got some ideas of the locations that we were going to use for EP2, and there's a location that you and I have talked about for EP3. Oh, we, very we sort of talked about maybe using it for EP2, and then we were like, nah, I think, I think the community needs to earn this. <laughs> and, and I think to make the most out of it, um, they've got to have the right skill set and the right mentality and understand the rules for the common, so everyone can enjoy it equally. Yeah, it'd be nice to have everyone be able to walk into that one and, and just kick off and get the most out of it. And hopefully not necessarily walking into it. Well, that whole light infantry thing sort of escapes people. We're not para. Like, true, true. Um, we did, for those that don't know, we did try a bit of a Milsim Westy para insertion for the coalition guys at EP 1.5 in a, in a horse float, and uh, it was very amusing. I loved it, but I wasn't inside the horse float. <laughs> All I can hear is certain, a certain person going, more vehicles, more vehicles. Yes, yes. Everyone wants technicals. <laughs> um, I suppose the other thing that we've got to sort of wrap into the, the whole 1.5 thing is... We tested a, a lot of new kit. Absolutely. So for those of you that, that didn't see the, the social media storm that became the sharing <laughs> of those posts, um, and people know now that there are 40mm grenade launcher gel ball stuff, but the stuff that we're seeing the Chinese do at the moment is very different to what we use. They're, they're using what the airsofters would call a shower shell. So you put the 40mm in a 40mm launcher and it fires out a bunch of gel balls, whereas what we had fired a foam projectile. That was awesome to sit beside it and hear it go off. Amazing. It was, it was. Um, so that's something that I went through QPS, um, spoke to Tony there and like I've spoken to Nathan at the Gel Ball Association and there was a long process to get that, but it freaked a few people out when they saw it and went, oh, you're doing this thing, when they didn't actually understand what we were doing is using a system um, that comes out of Europe. It's not 
um, something that we made in the backyard. We just made it look like it was made in the backyard. Um, and the other thing that I need to release now that we've done all that work on making mortars is the company that makes those shells saw what we did and went, we're going to do mortars. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's awesome. It is. Um, so I've been talking to the owner of the company and it's literally, it's got a C2 site on the side of it. You've got a plotting chart and it'll oh, fire, the, cool. the record so far is 309 metres. Oh, it's, wow. uh, so if we want to integrate something like a mortar support team or a mortar fire team or a forward observation type team, which is controlling artillery, we need a level of play that understands how to employ that stuff. We need somebody that understands things like depth of defence and spreading out um, your defences so that one mortar round can't take them out. And people are used to that 25 metre thing in gel ball and all of a sudden at EP 1.5 when people were shooting at them for 150 metres away and giving directed fire multiple rounds on them, they didn't know how to manoeuvre against that. So like, that's the sort of stuff that we need to get people up to speed with is, is understanding how the mechanics of our mill sim work. It's not about the, all right, your squad goes from here to here and shoots this thing and this squad's in support, blah, blah, blah. It's more about the mechanics of how our mill sim, the framework all goes together so you know, all right, I can, I can get on the radio and request this thing or I can do this or I can, you know, how to work within the, the boundary, so to speak. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're just like everyone else, we're in the, the COVID ISO holding, boring Xbox pattern <laughs> and um, Facebooking ourselves stupid, so. Zoom. Yeah, Lots yeah, zoom. we can Zoom, we can Discord, we can do all that stuff. Um, before COVID, there was a lot of stuff in the community about new gel blaster laws. And um, even though my most popular podcast ever was the first one I did after a police meeting, I consciously chose not to talk about that stuff because I've got very, very strong opinions on what should and shouldn't happen with those laws. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. A and rightly so, people can have an opinion. It's, hey, I've, I've got two armpits, they both stink. <laughs> but, but like both of my opinions. But the, th the thing for me was that um, I don't think the government, um, and I say that terribly because I used to work in the government, so I know they're not one thing, but the government didn't really listen to the, the survey results based on the, the drafts of the laws that I've seen. Um, talking to other guys in the corporate um, chat that there is for the Gel Blaster Association, for the, the fields and all us guys, um, some people are, are very happy with the rules as they've been sort of drafted and there's a couple of them that that worry me a little bit but they also make me hopeful for airsoft so it seems I don't know. like they've sort of opened the door a little bit to by, by putting it under that category yeah it, it does open it up to other possibilities um both positive and negative i guess it's um, we'll see when it comes to legislation mm. uh, i read a response um Somebody sent a letter to Mark Ryan MP uh, about the whole, these are the rules that were drafted, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I'm not happy because this and this and this. 
and the response that Mark Ryan gave, which surprised me a little bit, was, well, there's been wide community consultation on this. We went to... Um, these were the people that were at the last meeting. There was this retailer and this three different associations and blah, 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 and they all agreed with what we said. And I don't know that that's exactly what happened at those meetings. Oh, I wasn't there, so I can't say, but I can't imagine everyone in the room going, yep, not nah, happy with that. Let's let push on with um, calling this a, a restricted item and not a weapon, but it's in the Weapons Act, but it's not a weapon and we have to lock it up, but we don't have to secure it. And there seems to be just too much ambiguity and by not doing it properly, it's going to cause more issues in the future as well. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting choice of, like, when I saw some of the words in there, because I've been in the firearms world for years, and some of the words in there sort of rang alarm bells for me when people are going, genuine reason. I'm going, what, we need a permit to acquire for this stuff now? And I'm <laughs> going, because that's the word they use in this legislation, then are they just sort of using that because it's a convenient word, or are they the words that are going to lead down the same track? So... I, I didn't want to talk about any of that stuff at the time because I didn't want my opinion to be the only voice out there saying this is what we should do and shouldn't do. And I'm cognizant that this is an international and national podcast. It's not just a Queensland thing. But, yeah, I'm I'm not 100% happy with the laws as they're, they're drafted at the moment. But I think that what's going to happen is that the the world's just going to march onwards and people are going to forget about how upset they were about it and those laws are just going to get passed. Most likely it tends to be what happens. Mm. I'd like to say I do believe the majority of our listeners um, and the job or community at large do the right thing, um, make sure their blasters are concealed, um, don't go running through the public and, and creating public alarm. I think a lot of users play at the right fields and, and do the right thing. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm really disappointed in the way that these laws are drafted to make us all... Seem as criminals. Like, almost it's the lowest criminals. common denominator, isn't it? Yeah. Um, whereas I do think that majority of our... majority of people are smart. Um, unfortunately, it's the 2 or 3% that have probably caused a lot of the media attention, which is mm. warranted but the response. are the 2 to 3% even part of the community, realistically? So most of the issues that I've seen arise from things team, team, seem to be people outside the community who don't seem to understand. Mm. A lot of people have been whispering in my ear saying we need a players association that goes to these police meetings that represents the interests of people who aren't a field or aren't or a retail getting store a profit. Or, or aren't a warehouse. Or, um, and whilst I understand that, I think that's something that the community would have to just get off their own back and do and just rock up to the police and say, well, we're the Jobal Players Association. We're here. You need to cop that we're part of this now. Um, and, like, I see the, the Job Blaster Association Incorporated cop a lot of slack, but no-one else has stepped up yet and said, well, we're going to start our own players. We don't care if the police don't care who we are we're going to step up and be this subgroup or subcommittee or a totally separate organisation and we're going to advocate for what the players want. So it'd be nice to see, hey, and if you're out there, 
why don't you just uh, jump on that little bandwagon and be the first president? Because <laughs> yeah. it ain't me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, at, people have asked me to get involved in that stuff, and at the end of the day, I, there's a financial interest for me in job blasting. Like, yeah. it's it's not my place to be the representative players because there is money I make from job blasting stuff. So I don't think it's appropriate for me to be that person, but I would love to see a players association created. That theoretically, there's no limit to the amount of associations we could have. And we've got five now. Yeah, true. So on a bit of a lighter note, um, we're getting towards the time of year where we commemorate the sacrifices of our soldiers, sailors, airmen, merchant navy and defence civilians and a bunch of other people that have lost their lives in various conflicts where... Um, Today's the 22nd when we're recording this, so it's only a couple of days away from Anzac Day. Um, as part of the the Wounded Heroes family, they've even got an email address there now, it's crazy. Um, so something that Wounded Heroes is doing is something called Operation Perseverance. And it's an, an offshoot of their exercise stone pillow. So for those of you that don't know, in October each year, stone pillow is a bit of a simulation of being a homeless veteran that's living on the streets. You, you sleep out under the stars on the oval here at Wounded Heroes and there's a bunch of activities and cadets and there's all sorts of stuff that goes on. But uh, you pay a little bit of money and you sleep under the stars and you get to pretend that you're homeless for a night. And we're doing something very similar this year for Anzac Day because no one can be together, no one can get together. So what we're going to do is the night before we're running op perseverance. So it's like a mini stone pillow, but you do it in your own backyard. So you donate a little bit of money to Wounded Heroes, you go out in your backyard, you sleep a bit rough for the night and you go, all right, well, this is what it was like for the guys on the boat on their way to Anzac Cove. They didn't sleep great. They were thinking about what was gonna happen tomorrow. They did it a little bit tough. We, could, we can simulate that in our own backyards. And then when it's time for the dawn service, we're going to live stream on the Wounded Heroes Oz Facebook page a little ceremony so that you could follow along and if you're if you're not going to do the the go out to the driveway. the end of your driveway like some other organisations are doing, um, you can jump on the Wounded Heroes Facebook page and we'll do a little live stream of a, a very basic ceremony with five or six people here at Wounded Heroes. So, you guys, uh, what do you think of that? I think that sounds wonderful. Oh. So adorable. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I'll give a shout-out to Wounded Heroes. Jump on their Facebook page. You can find all, out, all about Operation Perseverance. And they're our sponsor for this episode, I suppose you could say. <laughs> um, there is a hashtag. It's uh, Stone Pillow Challenge. So it's a bit like the Ice Bucket Challenge. The idea is that you challenge a couple of your friends to do the same thing. Use the hashtag on all the socials, your Instas and book faces and my spaces and all that great stuff i'm i'm not a cool cat so i'm not up with all that but jump on the socials spread that hashtag stone pillow challenge and challenge a few of your friends to sleep in the backyard do it a bit tough and, and then join in in the morning for the dawn service at dawn cool bananas. okay so that's uh almost it for this episode 35 minutes of me rambling along at least you've got some other voices for a change hey emma <laughs> <laughs> she can giggle in the background, but that's all she'll do. She won't talk on the live. 
She's been a signaller at EP1, so we've all heard her voice. Yeah. Actually, I can actually go into the EP radio system <gasps> and it captures all of the transmissions. <laughs> so if there's any sort of emergency <laughs> or something goes wrong, we can hand that all into the coroner's court. <laughs> but I've got all that. It was really amusing, actually, at one stage, somebody said, oh, you said we could do this thing. I said, when did I say that? Oh, at, no, no, no. So I pulled up all the recordings and played them back to them. And they went, oh, <laughs> I said, I didn't say it, did I? They went, well, no. But yeah. That's so. good when you have evidence. Yeah, yeah. At least I've got something. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's it for this episode. Um, the reason I don't do more is because I'm not inspired to talk for hours on end. People think that I am, but... It, and we were conscripted. Yeah, yeah. Now she gets close to the microphone. <laughs> um, so if there's something you want to hear in a podcast in the future, tractor at milsomeast.com or find me on the socials. Please don't send me a friend request. I get about 35,000 of them a day. Um, <laughs> feel free to like be a like of the podcast or whatever. But yeah, I try, I try and keep that to my actual friends that I go and have coffee and beer and stuff with. <laughs> So if you're some when we're allowed to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, after we get de-isolated, um, but yeah. So please, please, please send me some some recommendations on what you want to hear. There's all sorts of great stuff happening in the gel ball community at all times, and there's all sorts of crap happening as well. I, I want to focus on the positive stuff. So if there's anything gel ball or milsim related that you want to talk about, I'd love to hear it. If you want to come on the show and be a guest like our people did tonight. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I'd like to thank Puff and Squeak and... <laughs> Pika. Uh, Pika. Was it like Pikachu or...? Yeah. Uh, and Morkai for coming to Tractor's Jaw Ball podcast. Um, I'd also like to give a thank you to my Patreons. Um, so for the, those that you know, Patreon's a service that allows me to get a little bit of money to buy the microphones and laptops and all the things that you can't see that are plugged in on the table here. So thank you to Isaac, who is the highest paid Patreon that I've got, and he pays a little fee to me every time I do one of these. So thanks for that. You don't have to do it. It's nice that you do it. Um, yeah, it means that I can do more stuff like this. I might try and do a Zoom meeting or a live stream or something next. You never know. Anyway. Send an invite to Hamish Blake. Oh, God. <laughs> as long as we don't find that Mike and Marty clowns that did that. Oh, my God. You know who I'd like to have on? Isaac Butterfield. <laughs> That'd be funny. The Buttsman. Yeah. Any other recommendations? Maybe Novaridge? No? Should we have Brad Towner on or maybe Peter Clark? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Do they milk it? Oh, I don't know. Brad likes that. to think he boogaloos. Mm. Yeah. Maybe Brad will listen to this one now. He's been mentioned. <laughs> All right. This and he'll have to listen till the end. <laughs> this has been Tractor and... Puff. And... <laughs> giggles. Pika. <laughs> Pika and Morkai. And this has been the Job All Podcast. We've nearly cracked 40 minutes. So see you, Ron, after Rona. <laughs>